In a global industry where anything can happen, where mistakes cost much more than dollars, we bring you expertise from around the world to ensure that everyone goes home safe every day. The internationally acclaimed Oil & Gas HSE podcast starts now with your host, Russell Stewart. Hey everybody, thanks for tuning in to another episode of the OGGN HSE podcast sponsored by Endress & Hauser. This isn't actually our first podcast of the new year, but it is the first recording for 2021. So I want to wish all of you a happy new year. I want to thank you for listening. I especially want to thank our sponsor, Anderson Hauser, a global leader in process automation and measurement instrumentation. Anderson Hauser, the people for process automation. Please take the time to discover more about Anderson Hauser by looking in the show notes for our website link at cx.endress.com forward slash HSE dash podcast and register for our monthly podcast giveaway. Also posted is the LinkedIn and Twitter link. Today, we're going to try something different and stretch the bounds of modern technology. We're going to shift from our normal podcast recording platform, and I'm going to join a Zoom meeting where we'll be talking to the CEO of a company that, among other things, uses digital technology to help frontline workers stay safe productive and effective. It's going to be an interesting discussion. Okay. Let me introduce Patrick Bischoff. Patrick, did I say that your last name correctly? Russell, you were the best first pronouncer of my last name ever. It's Bischoff. So you were very close. We also have Jeff Wheelwright with us as well. We thank you for coming on. Patrick, tell us a little bit about yourself and then let's talk about a theory and what it does. So easily detected by, by the accent and the difficult to pronounce last name, I'm not from around the block. I'm originally a German, hailing from Europe here, but I've been uh, working around the world, lived in Tokyo, Hong Kong, Singapore, and for the last 25 or so odd years here in the United States. Background is an engineer, an MBA, multiple successful startups, mostly in the software side, but also in energy storage in trading of natural gas and electricity. So done a couple of done a couple of things and Athir, who I'm with now, I'm a partner in a venture fund as well as COO at Athir. Athir is basically a a software platform that is supporting the the front line, the worker that actually executes jobs. And we're using augmented reality and AI to build digital tools that help basically our customers that are across different industries and different verticals and different departments in those industries to basically transform how they do business on their factory floor, how they do business on their front line, and how do they empower 2.8 billion people that are conducting work every day that are actually disconnected workers from IT and relevant information. So we're providing a platform to remedy that aspect. Okay, so you use the phrase augmented reality and AI. Most of our listeners are familiar with the term AI. That's, of course, a very uh, popular concept these days. But what is augmented reality? Think about it from the perspective of a, a way of displaying information in the field of view of an individual at a certain point in time. Right, So something that you don't need to open up a book, or you don't need to print out a piece of paper, you get the relevant information. And in augmented reality terms, it may be the information that you get through a 
pair of wearables, but it could also be augmented reality of if you take a picture of a of an item. Let's just say, for example, you're doing an inspection on a pipeline and there is a valve that you need to inspect. Augmented reality could also be within the picture, you get the display of information about that particular valve and its standard parameters and the documentation about what's the maintenance procedure that goes along with it. And it's right there at your fingertip, which could be through a device that is either a mobile phone, a tablet, or in cases where you need to be hands-free, it could be a pair of augmented reality glasses that your audience and your subscribers and listeners may be most familiar with. A virtual reality set of glasses would be an Oculus, not making any advertisement for Facebook here. An augmented reality glass would be something that is not completely immersive, where you still actually have a view of the real world while getting information that is pertinent to your job. So instead of paper manuals, you've you've got all the information either, as you said, on the iPad or, or even on your smartphone. Is that right? Exactly. It's basically all about capturing and providing a digitized form of information. And, and our customers, as I mentioned earlier, it's truly something that is not specific to one particular industry, although we have clients and are working with companies in the oil and gas, in the utilities space. But our application is deployed just as much in aviation, in automotive, in discrete manufacturing. So you find our tools at Volkswagen and Porsche just as you find them at uh, Conet or Clorox. Okay. And so you're really focusing on productivity, safety, and quality for the frontline worker, correct? Absolutely. Basically, the four most relevant areas where we see our application deployed and where we're helping customers are in anything around maintenance operation, anything about uh, and around production that could be on the, on the shop floor, but it could also be productivity for a field service organization that has to maintain or deploy or install pieces of equipment. And then, of course, it's also about quality, for the output of a process. And then nowadays, during COVID, but more so even also in the future, is the safety of the process and ultimately the safety of the people that are doing the work. So it's four, four primaries that we're actually looking at. And then maybe a second one would be training and compliance, which is also something that needs to be digitized and makes sense to have on a platform such as ours. So I read an article the other day from McKinsey and company. According to them, they say offshore platforms are on average running at only 77% of maximum production potential. And the article said that rigorous use of analytics can improve substantially on that. You want to talk about that a little bit? It's, it's funny that you mentioned that because I think I read the same article. Because <laughs> I'm on the McKinsey distribution list. But yes, it's a very interesting article. And I think the core point that I'm taking away from it and that we actually discuss with a lot of our customers is the use of analytics to improve processes in many, many aspects of an organization. And I think in this particular article, they actually pointed out and said the human team that is controlling the operations room at that particular platform is basically served up with information about 200 different, different sensors, but they themselves can only control, just with human limitations here, 20 to 50 
But after a lot of data analytics was run, I think the result was that if you in real time monitor about 150 of those sensors, you can generate, and this was a platform that probably had over 90% productivity. So it's very, very difficult to actually squeeze out more productivity, but they were capable of, I think they increased it by another two to 3%. So ultimately what McKinsey described here is what we're seeing with our customers on a day-to-day basis. It is the importance of using the data that you're day-to-day generating in a operational production or maintenance environment, but you're not capturing it because so many organizations are still doing this on a paper-based kind of procedure with a clipboard and a pencil. And maybe digitization to them means to PDF now that paper and put it on a mobile phone on a tablet and have the individual fill that out, but it's still a disconnected piece. So what we are thinking about and what our platform does, it basically takes all the processes that you have, allows them to be transformed into a digital format, The application is, in many of our clients, connected at the back end into a LMS system, into an ERP system, into a ticketing system where the upstream information comes from. It feeds information and can access information that comes from IoT sensors in the field. And it's all at the fingertip of the end user. So if you are a, let's just say you are a field engineer and you're having an inspection protocol to go through, and verification and validation and compliance is key, then we would have a process that is digitized that is in your hand on your tablet that allows you to track every step of the procedure, not just maintaining and capturing that it was done, but how it was done, how long it took, be able to compare how long the same procedure took in Malaysia than it took in Buenos Aires, in Argentina and at some plant or facility in North America and deduct actually the learnings from that. Because if it's the same process and one side does it 10 minutes faster, I would want to know why. I would ask the question of, if you're all going through the same process, how come that you can do it faster? Why are you doing it slower? What are the obstacles that we need to remove? Do we need to train people different? And you do that and you automatically gain the efficiencies that you just discovered. That's definitely a tool for productivity. I would think it also would be a tremendous tool when we're talking about safety, because you can probably also capture maybe things when they were done wrong and people made mistakes and and you can. I think I know where you're going with that. And you're absolutely right. The worker safety is one of our main aspects, why people are deploying platforms such as ours and using them. It's also the idea of how do I actually scale that kind of safety procedure across my organization so that everybody's actually adhering to the same standard? And how do I, and this is a capability that is very important, how do I quickly adjust to any kind of changes and communicate that to my frontline? Just imagine this, you know, we are We're creating a standard protocol at a certain company. They have it on paper, and that's the one that everybody needs to adhere by on a global basis. How much more efficient would it be to have that protocol in everybody's hand that make it interactive so that 
people in real time have to interact with the process flow and say, you have to put on your safety goggles and you have to take a picture that you need to, that you put on your safety goggles. And everything is stored. So you have documentation of that and it's in real time fed back into a system that allows you then to accumulate all this data across different sites and so forth, take your learnings from it. But now imagine somebody comes up with a new process tomorrow that is twice as safe because it cuts out two steps and you have 20,000 field engineers that should know about this in real time. In a platform such as ours, you just change the process once, you distribute it to the 20,000 people, and they have it in their Athera application, either on their mobile phone or on their tablet, or the next time they boot up their virtual reality or augmented reality glasses, it just pops up and says, hey, this is the new safety procedure that you need to go through when you do the tag out, log out on this particular piece of equipment. Yeah, that's exactly what I was trying to say. <laughs> yeah. The notion I, I, of this I gives you the this a little bit more than you have. You know, I have to say it more often. Well, this, I mean, it provides you the opportunity to learn from your mistakes and also to understand things that went particularly well. And as you said, as you learn about safer ways to do something, it it makes for a tremendous means of quick communication on that. Yeah, and it's safety. It's safety for the individual, but it's also an improvement of efficiency and productivity for the organization at large. Because if you only have to fix something one time or you have to install it only one time and it's error free, then obviously you have just you have just created efficiencies that weren't there before. Right? You're also able to capture the institutional knowledge and the anecdotal information between different different plants. So one of our customers, for example, in the manufacturing space, is running the, the platform in 12 different plants and they're consistently comparing and contrasting the operational efficiency at every plant through the analytics that they get out of our system. But the same goes for a telecommunications company that has their engineers out in the field installing and maintaining fiber cables or towers, if you will. Well, and, and what this points to is something that Everybody is worried about efficiency and productivity, but if you're not safe at the same time, that just destroys your efficiency and productivity. I mean, nothing nothing can be more harmful than, especially in, I mean, we're talking about oil and gas and utilities and so forth. If safety is not observed, if one incident happens, the effect between an incident in this business versus an incident that is maybe some wrong packaging on a consumer product and so forth, is significantly different. So safety, I think, is, is absolutely paramount. And in an environment, at least that's what we are hearing from our customers, where, where the velocity of change is constantly accelerating. There's new things to learn every day, and there's more things to retain. And there's no way that our brain capacity is actually growing at the speed of things that we need to remember. So everything is going to ha happen faster. It's getting more complex. Because our value chains, our supply chains are more complex, the equipment is, even if it's assisted by, by computing power and all of that, we're looking ultimately, and probably it's the same thing in the oil and gas industry that it is in many others, aviation, automotive, and so forth. You have a scarcity of resources, of people that are interested in doing that job, of being smart enough of doing that job, and, and flexible enough. So you have to adjust for that. And everything is connected. 
And so what our platform does actually is support that environment and our clients in facilitating that complex business and that change. And the philosophy that we have behind it is we build the system from the frontline worker backwards. So our ideal was what do individuals need to know when they perform a specific task? What problems do they usually run into? How do they fix them? So we were trying to mimic the natural flow of work. So if I'm a field engineer that needs to inspect something in a refinery or on, on an oil platform or on a gas pipe or hanging off a wind turbine tower, there is the natural propensity at first is to assist myself, right? I need to inform myself about the tasks that I have to do tomorrow. So when somebody logs into our system and if it's connected with the upstream system, they would get automatically, hey, here are the four projects that you need to work with or on tomorrow. Here is the relevant information that is already, even though you have 20 years experience in doing this, but here's the latest and greatest in terms of processes, maintenance procedures, and so forth, that is directly fed into the end user's mobile phone, tablet, AR glasses, and so forth. They conduct basically the workflow. And let's just say they, they get stuck. And even though they have all the documentation and they have the procedures in front of them, there's still a problem and they're looking at it. And now they want to talk to somebody. Wouldn't it be great to actually have a system that allows you then to jump into a virtual, into an augmented reality conversation, video conversation. You can draw on the videos and so forth, but you find the right person that is actually available right now to be called that has the skill sets that you need. So that's the other side of the system of basically we're mapping on a very granular level who is responsible for what, who is what experience, so that if you need to reach out to a remote expert because you're stuck in your process, the system tells you it's like, yep, Russell is online and he actually has the expertise, so connect me to Russell, not to somebody else. And then you don't have to wait one to two days or whatever for him to, no, to get on No, you fix the site. problem right then and there, right? So, Jeff, you're the director of marketing communications for Ethere? I am. Yeah, I wanted to just pick up on something Patrick just said. I think all of those situations are tremendous opportunities to gain value at the other end of that, where people have gone through that experience, they've needed help, they've gotten the help, but all of that is recorded. We have the data about that. So you can say, okay, we've got a 12-step procedure here that somebody needs to go through, but you know, maybe at the seventh part of it, they've got an issue. And we're seeing that consistently across a number of locations. So maybe we need to go back and adjust those procedures. So you have data about that. And then in a safety context, where there are safety incidents, you've got a lot more data behind you to say, okay, somebody was going through this procedure and they've recorded this information about what they were doing. And we can see situations where other people have done this. What can we learn from that as an organization or as a department? So you get that data that provides you with even more intelligence than the kinds of data that McKinsey was talking about, you know, generated by machines and, and sensors. This is data generated by real people doing real work and I think has tremendous value in a health and safety context. 
See, why didn't you jump in like that when I was struggling with that question I was asking Patrick a while ago? That's, I wanted that's to a- see where it went. <laughs> <laughs> well, speaking of speaking of where it goes as we wrap this thing up, what do you see going on in the future? Perhaps touch a little bit on the, the future of the connected frontline workforce in oil and gas and, and how... Yeah, Jeff, I jump in here, but I have a quick answer to Russell's question here. From a future perspective, we just actually completed a six-month project with GTI, which is the Gas Technology Institute. And I think their member companies wanted to learn more about digitization of processes and procedures, how to use augmented reality and wearable devices in the front line. So they ran a test with six or seven different parties involved. We ended up being the one that came out on top at the end. And it's very much what we see is that the next step, the oil and gas industry of anybody that actually has a frontline workforce is to digitize procedures that right now are in a paper-based format, to connect the systems so they provide complete transparency throughout the value chain from the frontline worker, as, uh, as Jeff mentioned, all the way back to the data analytics system that should capture all of that information so you can digest actionable intelligence out of it and increase your productivity and certainly decrease the safety aspect of the process. So that's that's what we see. And we see a lot of a lot of companies now driven by COVID and the remote work environment anyway, accelerating those thoughts. And they're starting with plant-wide pilots. When in the past, it's interesting, when in the past it was what we went into was maybe a conference room pilot or a small department, it is now actually more of let's just do the whole plant. Let's just do this entire department. And then uh, what we've seen with the existing customers that we have that are usually on a three-year contract, after year one, there's a significant increase in use cases and usage because the organization is actually getting really familiar with the tool. They usually start with one or two use cases and then start layering things on top. I think it's all about the empowerment of the frontline worker to give them the best tools available to be as safe as they can be and as productive as we could potentially operate. That's what our vision is. And that's the reflection of what we hear out of the market and the people that we're working with. So if any of our listeners want more details and want to talk to Athir, Jeff, are you the one they need to contact? Yes, they can contact me and they can also visit our website at athirair.com. That's A-T-H-E-E-R-A-I-R.com. Okay, we'll put that in the show notes, and then we'll also put your LinkedIn URL in so they can uh, contact you that way also if they want to. Well, guys, I'm very fascinated about this. It definitely is the future. Maybe, as Patrick mentioned, the the COVID-19 environment has made it come even faster. Russell, I don't want to fall into your word, but I just did, so my apologies. It is the future, but you know what the interesting thing is? It's actually, it's there. It's right now. The it's future available. is now. <laughs> yeah, it, 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 is not, it is not difficult to deploy. We deploy in a completely remote environment. We signed the contract, never seen the people that we signed it with. We deployed it, never seen the people that we trained. And we did that from the United States to a client that is based in Germany that is running a manufacturing process in Malaysia. 
So what I'm saying is what I'm telling you and what we talked about here, while it sounds very futuristic in many aspects, it's down and dirty deployable tomorrow. That's actually absolutely amazing. Hey, listen, guys, again, I want to thank y'all for taking the time to record this podcast. I think it's something that our listeners, and we are international in scope, as you mentioned about your accent, you know, when our introduction to this podcast comes on each time, we have this beautiful British voiceover, and then I come on with my Texas Southern accent, you know, so we're definitely international in scope. In fact, speaking of that, Jeff, something that people will see when they look in the show notes at your LinkedIn URL, but how do you spell Jeff? It's with a G. It's the British spelling. So is that where you're from or? Yes. My parents are from England. Yeah. So it's, it's Jeffrey with a G. Okay. All right. So it's G-E-O-F. That is correct. All right. Well, I appreciate you guys. Even, even here, we're, we are actually international, right? Russell, you're in, in the lone state of Texas. That's um, right. That's international have, all by itself. Exactly. <laughs> I mean, you could be your own country. Then I'm in Nevada at the moment. And Jeff is, I think, in Vancouver, Canada. Yep. Oh, really? Is that where you live, Jeff? It is. Okay. So, and you said Patrick, Nevada. And for some reason or another, I thought you were from California. I have multiple locations on which I reside, and presently I'm in the one in Nevada. <laughs> okay. Well, it's probably a little bit warmer there than it has been here in Texas, right here in the Houston area. We actually had snow this weekend, which is in, very in unusual or for in us. Houston? Well, actually, in Houston, we actually had, well, just north of Houston, we had snow. And then in Texas, in other parts of Texas, they had even my son who lives in Northeast Texas sent me a picture and my grandson made a snowman out of it. He was real excited about it. <laughs> oh, that is fantastic. That is fantastic. Okay, guys, again. Right, Russell, uh, and Russell, I will send you an email with NanoVapor, the company that I spoke about before we started our recording. Okay? Okay. That sounds great. Again, we're going to sign off here and I really appreciate you guys doing this. Thank you again. All right. Thanks. All right. All right. Thank you again, Patrick. We really appreciate this. And thanks again to all of you for listening. Please tell your friends to listen. Post us on LinkedIn and your other social media. Leave us a review on iTunes. And please tune in again next week for another episode of Anderson Hauser's Oil & Gas HSE podcast, a production of the Oil & Gas Global Network. Anderson Hauser is your reliable partner for measurement instrumentation, services, and solutions. We are your people for process automation. Again, visit our website link and register for our monthly podcast giveaway. See you next time. Happy New Year, everybody. It's Savannah from OGGN and here are the events on deck for January 2021. This month, we only have three events, but if you'd like the full list, you can click the link in the show notes to sign up for our events newsletter. We send it out every month and it includes more info about the events I talk about here. We even include events that occur two months ahead of time. So if you're interested in always staying in the loop about oil and gas events, make sure to check that out. First up, we have our two in-person events, the OCI East Houston Chapter Luncheon at the Monument Inn on the 5th, and the Houston Chapter Energy API Meeting at the Petroleum Club on the 14th. The only online event we have this month is the Prefab Connect from the 26th to the 29th. Other than these events, OGGN may be hosting some more live streams this month, so make sure to check out our Facebook, LinkedIn, or our website for more information about any of the live streams we have coming up. If you have any questions about the events or any of our shows, make sure to reach out to me through my email in the show notes. 
that's all for January. I hope you guys have a great month and thanks for tuning in. Tune in next week for another engaging episode of the Oil & Gas HSE podcast, a production of the Oil & Gas Global Network. Learn more at OGGN.com.